I think it was the boiling point of all that years of, if I follow God, he will bless me with a wife. I was like, I'm sick of everything that's kind of associated with church culture. Um, I'm kind of sick of all these rules, all these promises, whether it's lies I told myself or things that you know people communicate to me. So I was like, you know, I've been in this bubble for so long, it's important to be relatable to the outside world. And I kind of joined them. It was kind of like, I'm gonna play Christianity by my rules. You know, the Bible doesn't say, like, don't do this. So we'll explore it. See, I'll find out for myself what, what it is. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. Welcome to the Your Story Matters podcast. I'm so thankful that you're joining us today as we share another story. Uh, my hope is that you've been listening uh, every single week or you're catching up, uh, kind of binging them if you can. Um, one of the benefits and power of this podcast is not the individual story, but all the stories together and what they say about faith and what they say about um, our relationship with God and what they say about the highs and lows of life. And um, today I'm really excited for our story. I have one of my friends with me, uh, one of our leaders here at Collective, someone who's been with us from the very beginning, um, somebody I admire because they jumped off of the Washington Commander's ba bandwagon. Um, and I'm just really jealous as a person that I don't have the guts to do it. Um, it's uh, my friend Johnny, and really excited for him to share his story today. Johnny, thanks so much for being on the podcast with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Um, one thing I want to, you know, get straight is uh, jumping off the bandwagon for the Washington Commanders. It's it's still tempting me to come back every <laughs> once in a while, and then we accept the crushing defeat, and I realize why I left. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so, Johnny, go ahead and kick things off. Tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, where you grew up, where are you from, and uh, what your childhood was like. So I grew up Maryland, born and raised, Howard County. I grew up in a really, really stable home. Yeah. Um, stable and Christian-led, and my parents have been like really, really good influences on me and all of my siblings. And it's, you, you kind of look around and it's kind of surprising how well we turned out, but then you look at your parents and it's like, oh, it's because of them. You, you kind of can look back and be like, you know, they really, you know, everything that you, like we're teaching as a whole, like, hey, we want to make sure that families are a part of church, that they are serving, that they, you know, read their Bibles together, that they pray together. That's a lot of the things that my parents installed in us and, and really kept as a habit and they did a really good job. And I admire them a lot for what they did. And it's played a big role and who I am, who my siblings are. And I think we're just blessed and thankful of what God has blessed our family with. And in result, as long as I can remember, we went to church every Sunday, like no question, whether it was for better or for worse. And it, it wasn't even like a, one of those like, oh, we, we need to do it because we have to. Yeah. 
do it as a chore. It was really out of you know love for God and done with the right intentions, knowing that this has to be a habit that God comes first, family comes second kind of mentality. Um, so that was really stable. And it's, I mean, the only thing I can remember as a kid in church is, you know, we went every week. We got plugged in. My my parents always took us to, you know, things that the church offered that would help us get more involved. And it wasn't anything like, oh, like we need to go and pray and put on a good, sure. like good look for everyone else. Yeah. The only thing I would say is that like my dad said jeans were not good enough. Like I had to wear like khaki <laughs> yeah. pants at least bare minimum. The one Definitely block. no shorts. <laughs> yeah. And I fought him every week on that. Yeah. Um, and I have eventually succumbed. But my dad had grown up Catholic and I think he had a lot of that pressure put on him. Sure. And it was done without good reason. And he kind of grew up and said, this is not how we want to raise our family. That's awesome. Uh, my mom was a first-time Christian, met my dad in college, and they've just kind of pursued that that way. And uh, my mom is Korean, and my dad is white. And at the time, the mixing of the races, I'm not sure if I can say that on this yeah. podcast, yeah. was kind of frowned upon yep. for both the Korean culture, or Asian culture for that matter, and um, definitely surprising on my dad's side of the family. So I think they're, you know, not used to rocking the boat or, you know, they do things and it's like, well, this is the reason why, not just because someone tells us to do this. So we've had a lot of good habits and culture built around our family. At this point, we're in the double digit of episodes. And what's crazy is like, nobody shares the same, like direct path. But it's really cool to hear that you guys leaned in. And, and you would serve and you would be a part of the communities um, because you really believe that church and faith can do good things in your life. And that, that there's a huge difference between we go because we have to, or we go because people are watching us, or we go because grandma went and we're going because this is what's best for our family, um, which is really cool um, because not a lot of people have that experience growing up. Um, so as, as you kind of grew up in that, what was that like for you? So you've talked about the family side, but like, did you enjoy going to church? Um, did you feel like as you kind of got older, it was something that you wanted to be a regular part of your life? Or was there, there a little bit of that, like middle school, high school, like we do this because mom and dad are making me, or did you feel like engaged? You know, I'd say it's, it's, we went to like a medium sized church. I would like to say like maybe like a thousand, maybe yeah. 1500 people. It, just my guess. And uh, a lot of the people who went and you go through Sunday school together, you naturally make friends. So a lot of it, like in middle school, was like, oh, I get to see my friends on, on Sunday. Yeah. I get to go and I would be excited to go see church. Maybe less excited about like, oh, like youth ministry. Like I get to hear this, you know, 22-year-old person sure. talk and preach at me. <laughs> yeah. um, so middle school was definitely more like friend and social driven. It's like, I get And if my friends weren't there, I would... Being like, well, yeah. church was kind of boring today. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. And uh, the cool thing was I, I was challenged a lot more in high school to start pursuing faith um, on my own. Yeah. And a lot of my friend group and just people who stuck around the church, uh, it, normally the people who stuck around were uh, the people who, whose families installed the same thing in their families. Uh, and it's like, Oh, we all want the same thing. We want to grow in Christ and we want what's best for our kids and best for our family. So I had a lot of opportunities to go on missions trips and like for like my summer job, I do day camp where we would bring all the kids in for the entire summer and we'd, 
you know, basically be the counselors and wow. help lead like the Bible studies and, and the groups and stuff like that. So there was a big presence in a lot of that, like, especially, you know, doing the, the missions where we'd spend our summer. And I went on two of those, one just local Maryland and there's week we go to Ocean City yeah. and we would do like messages on the boardwalk yeah. and just like stuff like that, like really like pushes you yeah. because when you go to school, you can just kind of sink into the crowd and you don't really be like, Hey guys, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Like God yeah. is good. Yeah. You're kind of looked at as like, Oh, you're the weird Christian Christian yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, and that was like my first exposure to like having to have faith stand on something sure. and to not be afraid of what criticism or visibility would come my way. And yeah. I remember being petrified the first time I had to like go out and be like, I have to like, one, be in front of a whole bunch of random people yeah. and be like, hey, this is God. And yeah. it was it was nerve wracking. Um, but once you do it once and it's, it's a building block in a sense. Um, and, and it's almost like, fight or flight if you do it long enough it's like uh, like do i actually believe this i'm yeah. not going to scream from yeah. the rooftops if i don't believe it yeah. and two it just makes you look a little bit more internally and and reflect a little bit it's like okay like if i'm going to do this like should i i should do it the right way yeah. or um i'm going to make a conscious decision of like pursuing this we also had a stint like that where we went to chicago and we were and it's almost like college light where my two leaders were in college and I was with nine other of my peers who are sophomores in high school. So no real adult presence. Um, and you're like, we, we all had gone on that same mission to Maryland. Um, and everyone on the team returned. So we were all comfortable with each other and there was opportunity to be like, you know, like we could do what we want here in Chicago. Sure. Um, but we're all here for the same mission. We want to, you know, see what our faith takes us, how it grows and how it pushes us. And uh, it's, you know, kind of like the first seeds of growth in, in your faith and building that relationship with God and realizing for yourself, like, is this something I want? Is yeah. this something I want to pursue? Yeah. And for me, it, it was. And it's one of those first tokens where you can start seeing how God works and not have to really see it uh, in your own life. Yeah. Um, you can kind of see it just through uh, what God does through you if you let him and, and being surrendered and, and willing to see what God throws your way and how you handle it. It doesn't matter. He's going to do what he yeah. does. People listening, hearing, yeah, I went to Chicago and talked to people about Jesus. There are a lot of people that are going to be terrified by that, right? But for you, like you're saying, hey, this was a good experience. I, I needed to be challenged and pushed in this way. Because it wasn't just you doing what you were being told to do or you going on a trip because you're a student. You you really made the decision of like, hey, this is a kind of a defining moment for me. Like if I'm going to go on these mission trips, I need to know why I'm going on these mission trips. And you did it. You know, when I look back on it, I think there's just enough positive reinforcement that, you know, you're not taken as like it is a leap, but you have enough support around you that you're kind of safeguarded a little yeah. bit. You're not putting yourself way out there. <laughs> I also say it's it's definitely different than like going to like my, my high school. I, if someone sure. said, let's go to your high school and talk about Jesus, I'd be like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> you you yeah. could pay me $1,000 for the summer. I won't do it. Yeah. Um, but I think there's enough like good influences between like my brother had done the program before. If it was just me and I went with a 
couple of randos, like sure, I would have said no. Sure. Um, but I think with enough people pushing me in the right direction, it gave me the at least the confidence to say yes yeah. and see what's in store for the next phase. I didn't recognize like the full value myself sure. at the time, but I had enough people in my ear saying, "Hey, I think this could be a good thing for you," and yeah. I think it'd be a positive experience. You should try it out. Yeah. And it was enough for me to say, yeah. That's cool that you had that experience growing up because a lot of us don't have that. A lot of people like will go to church, volunteer in church, serve in church, give it church, whatever it is, but they never take that next step to talk about their faith. Right. It, it's, and it becomes this very like interpersonal thing. This is my thing. I do, you know, I, I follow and I trust, but like, I don't know if I'm willing to make that public, but I, I imagine it shaped a lot of what came next in your faith. Um, so keep taking us through kind of your story. There's a lot of times where my faith just shook after that. Um, college, uh, I was, uh, it, it was definitely interesting. I went, a lot of people don't know this. I went to University of Maryland for a year and a half and I struggled with a lot uh, there because I was not on campus. I was still kind of part of my church, but a lot yeah. of my church yeah. who are my age, they went off to college. Some of them went to University of Maryland, some went out of state. People were scattered and not everyone was back. So you kind of lose a yep. lot of that foundation and you kind of have to seek it out on your own. A lot of people find that um, who are part of church and, and Christian communities on campus. Yep. But I was commuting. Um, so I was kind of like in this weird spot where I'm at home, I'm going to my local church that I grew up in all the time. Not everyone's there. Um, Meanwhile, like all my friends are part of their respective like campus ministries that they're joining or not going to church at all. Sure. And, yeah. it, you know, church is just such a defining place for young adults to find out more about it, especially for those who who have faith or have fundamentals of faith. Sure. So I had spent a year and a half in there, struggled both academically and just with myself as a whole, I kind of felt lost there. Uh, I ended up transferring to UMBC and spent the next four, five years there um, finishing out my degree. And while I was there, I joined an organization called Crew, Campus Crusades for Christ. It's where I met Dylan, who plays keys here, yeah. and we have a good friendship there. And some of my friends, uh, closest friends, through that. But there was a lot of struggles, like just the feeling of like loneliness pressure just from college to do well and succeed and graduate. And I think the big part that I took away from college was kind of like a redefining of like those building blocks. You get test tested in a lot of ways where you're surrounded by a lot of people exploring young adult, whether it's good or bad, people who make bad decisions, people make good decisions. And you try to, I tried my best to like put myself into like that nice security bubble that's Christian ministry sure. yeah. and friend group there. Everyone yeah. kind of keeps their nose clean. Yeah. And no one, I mean, no one really drank at UMBC anyways. Yeah. If they did, they went off campus and drank. Interesting. Um, <laughs> it's a weird culture there. Um, but I kind of put myself in a bubble. I mean, Christian culture bubble is, it's weird. I'm not sure if you've experienced it or someone else. Yeah. So one of the things I've, I've talked about at, at Christian college is you show up and everyone assumes cause you're at a Christian college that like you're the best of the best. And like really we're the best at hiding the stuff like we're there. And so there's like the safety net and this like security blanket of like, I'm at a Christian college, therefore I have faith and I'm allowed to have faith. But at the same time, like you're just a mess and you're not sure what you believe or why you believe it. You believe, but it kind of puts you in this really safe place where it's like, 
hey, I'm here. But ultimately, if anybody touches, you know, I always think of it as like you're like in a boat. And if anybody rocks it, you're like, I'm drowning. You walk up to the line of accountability. You walk up to the line of vulnerability. But you never go all the way. Yeah. You know, in the right crowd, I could talk about it. Yeah. But even then, it was like really hard to be vulnerable. And it just wasn't the culture to be like, oh, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I'm struggling with like grades. I'm struggling with... You know, I, I talk about praying. Maybe I'm not praying sure. all the time. Or it's sure. like, you know, I, I have a hard time, like, finding the motivation to, like, go to church on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go to this thing that happens on Thursday, and it's my quote-unquote yep. church. Yep. And the the main thing that I, I did struggle a lot with, and this kind of started when I went from, like, high school to college, was, was being single. And a lot of that, it was kind of defined by the culture I saw around me, whether it was kind of taught or, you know, it was just what I saw. And the norm was people who were Christians and grew up in the church. They went to college. They had, you know, girlfriends or boyfriends in serious relationships. And they went off and got married once college ended. Yep. At like 22. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, even younger. It's like we got married right out of high school yeah, or something yeah. like that. Some like crazy stuff. And it, it definitely stemmed from me actually trying to do the right thing. And sure. I was like, all right, I have all these people telling me like, stalled at a young age like you should marry a godly woman yeah you should be looking for that and it it seemed very desirable because you know i like girls and um yeah i want to follow the lord and yeah. i want to do the right thing and yep. i felt a lot of pressure i put on myself but also just being like you know this is something that i really want and it seems really unattainable right yeah. now and in high school, I just kind of like treated it as like, oh yeah, like I like girls. I my parents actually forbid me from dating in high school, okay. And I kind of went behind their back like multiple times and had girlfriends. One like I was dating in church, yeah. <laughs> um, that didn't last for, like all these relationships didn't last very long, and I don't think I knew how to treat someone right sure. too because I was sure. just used to being like, this is a secret. Yeah, I'm not yeah, allowed which, to do this. Which when you start that way with secrets and you know temptation, whatever it may be, like you're doomed. You know, it's until you start talking about it and you get it in the right place. But like as a teenager, it's like, yeah. this is doomed. When my parents are like, okay, like fine, you're dating. And people at church who I looked up to, like one of my leaders, I'm like, hey, like I have a girlfriend and it's really exciting for me. And be like, is she a Christian? Sure. And I'm like, she's Catholic. Sure. And, yeah. and he'd start grilling me with all these questions. Like, yeah. like what's your intent? And, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here to have fun. Yeah. Man. But once I got into college, I'm like, you know, I should start taking this seriously. Like all these people are asking me these tough questions and it's like, are you pursuing this for the right reason? Do you want a serious relationship? Does she love God? All this stuff. Like I kind of carried that and took it into college and I started being like, all right, this, these are all things I need to look for. Yeah. These are things that, I mean, I do find very important, but I put a lot of weight on it. And it was just something that just wasn't bearing any fruit for me. Relationships were hard and I... I put a lot of weight on it. And then when it didn't happen, it came with a lot of hurt. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with that. Sure. So the first time I, I got really hurt and it was, it's unfair to put so much on another person. Yep. And when you get burns like that, it, the only thing that you could really feel is just like, oh, like this stinks. And how could someone of faith hurt me yep. this bad? Yep. And it, it kind of feels weird to say this as like a grown up, but like as when you're going through that as a young adult trying to figure out your faith and my faith was a little bit on the transactional side. I didn't really understand it. I was taught like we go to church, we do these things, we have faith for a reason and God will 
you know, bear fruit in sure. your life. Yep. And sometimes you take yep. those things too literally. And it's like, well, if I do these things, like God will bless me. Yeah. And one of the first questions I asked was, I'm doing all these things. God, why aren't you blessing me with a serious relationship, yeah. a, a relationship that I want to honor you with yep. and doing all these things. And then why is this coming with so much pain? Yeah. Um, and that was like my first transition when I came to UMBC and provide me like a fresh start and things to figure out. And after like a couple of years at UMBC and I still, you know, I'm part of this program. I'm, I'm, I was an integral part of that campus ministry and like leadership positions. I was MC, I was hosting like conferences and stuff like that. And I'm like, I have all this visibility and still like I have not yet to find a serious relationship. And I got to a point when I got to my senior year, I was like, I'm just going to find a relationship I am semi-interested in and yeah. prove to myself, one, I can make this work. And one, I think it kind of fed my desire to be like, to have some self-worth and, sure. and feel desirable. It's like, this is something I can't screw up. Like there's a girl who pursued me for like months and I was like, you know, like, sure, let's, yeah. let's give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. And then took me away from a lot of the support and friends that I had within the ministry. And yeah. it was kind of, I, I felt separated from my friend group and there was just like this weird, like tug within that ministry of, it was like a group of like 50, 60 yeah. kids run by kids or college, college kids. Yeah, yeah. And half of them were like on one side and half of them were on the other side and they clashed. Like one side did not like the other and yeah. didn't associate it. And there was like, previous history of beef that went into it and I got caught in the middle and it's like, well, I'm going to support my quote unquote girlfriend. Yep. And when she ended up breaking up with me and I was devastated, I wanted so much control and I put myself in a relationship. It's like, if this is going to end, it's going to be because of me. Yeah. So when she broke up with me, like my world, like my self worth just went down in the toilet yeah. on top of that, just because it was just that person was so polarizing between the groups. Then it became in question like, oh, like I started dropping away from the ministry sure. just because I thought I saw a lot of things that were going wrong. Yeah. And and this is like the first time where I, I really started to get like fed up with like church culture. Sure. I really cared a lot about the ministry and like realizing young adults like need a place to find Jesus, worship Jesus and grow in their faith. And when I'm leading these groups every week, I'm kind of like the figure of it. And I come with a lot of criticism and trying to do things right. I'm sure, you know, as like a pastor, yeah. like we're doing our best and we need to yeah. be self-reflective and yeah. understand where we're coming short. I felt like every month I'm like, we're doing the X, Y, and Z wrong. Like, why aren't we fixing it? Yeah. And I would talk to someone who I think could relay to the current team. Well, the president, vice president, secretary, all were very close with the girl who broke up with me. Yeah, of uh, course. And once it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like we have new people coming in, freshmen. We have this get together where we're trying to introduce them to us, have a fun game night, and you skip out and play D&D &D and drink as part as like the leaders of our ministry, sure, sure. you need to do like a reality check. And I was like, I just can't be a part of this anymore. Um, and I step away from that ministry and I bump into one of my friends and he's like, Hey, giant, like, Hey, like, how's it going? I'm like, 
it's going good. It was my senior year. I was finishing up. I was taking a couple classes so I can get my degree. And he's like, hey, I heard you stepped down from ministry because you're just having a hard time with school. And I'm like, I'm taking nine credits. Yeah. I, this is like the easiest semester I've ever had. It's like, where did you hear that? It's like, oh, leadership passed it down that you're just having a hard time. Wow. And, and he's like, it's probably because of the breakup too, right? I'm like, no. Man. <laughs> no. So like, I, I kind of felt really betrayed and kind of fed up with kind of the rules sure. and semantics of it all. It's like, I'm here. Like, I care about the people everyone who steps in that door and then trying to find faith and, and God. And um, I'm also struggling with self-worth here yeah, just because yes. one, I, I'm still single. Sure. Um, and part of me coming out of college, like, well, this is, you know, it's only going to get harder from here. But more importantly, it's like, I was busting my butt for you guys every week trying to make a safe, safe place. And now people are going back and just saying, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm, they're just sweeping the problems yeah. under the rug and saying, oh, this person left because of this. Johnny left because he can't handle a breakup. Yeah. And like, I, I was just sick of it. What I did next is I went back to people who I, you know, valued their opinion uh, in the church. I, I sought advice. Sometimes when people ask you for advice, it's okay not to have an answer. You know, I'd go and be like, hey, like, why am I still single? Why am I struggling with this? And sometimes I would get like answers like, well, maybe you're called to singleness by God. And yeah. there was a, a series at my church that was based on being called to singleness, yeah. taught by my pastor who got married out of college. Yeah. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, you have no idea what being single is. And yeah. he's telling this whole congregation, yeah. like, you know, maybe you're just called to be single and that's why you're not married right now. Yeah. And I would go seek other people who's like, well, are you praying enough? Are you reading your Bible? Kind of saying that you're subconsciously like not doing, you're not doing the right thing, the right thing, or you're yeah. not doing enough. And it's like, thanks for validating my emotions of, you know, my self-worth and understanding something that I want and not getting. And I, I kind of felt like no one really had an answer or someone was just trying to make something up or, you know, sometimes they just say, you know, like in time, like God's time is, is perfect yeah, and, and they'll yeah. just default trying to make you feel better but you just don't feel good yeah uh, you don't feel good about that so i had a lot of unresolved answers and just struggling with well why isn't this working out for me the church is ultimately creating the tension which creates the feelings of inadequacy or failure or just confusion but then their response to that isn't to look back and go oh crap maybe that's on us for implying you have to get married and have a million kids to be a good Christian. And like biblically, singleness is a gift. That doesn't mean it feels good. Yeah, right. Like, and it, that it, it suck. Right. It <laughs> doesn't mean that's what you want. What that does is it creates shame in the singleness culture. And for people who want to be married, or even for people who just don't want to be, then everyone thinks that they, something's wrong with them, right? Because if you went up to those leaders and said, Hey, I think I, I want to stay single they would probably think something's wrong. They wouldn't tell you it's a gift. It's only a gift when you want to be married. So, I mean, I can imagine how frustrating that is. And, and I know there are people who listen to our podcast who are single and there are people who they, they want to be married. There are people who have been in those relationships where it pursued to the point of marriage and realized this isn't a good thing. And like, they could have just leaned all the way in and been in a kind of semi-okay marriage and been with somebody, but chose to say, nope, like I'd rather break up with this person and start fresh. 
I, I joked when I first met Ray, I was like, I just came here to learn. I didn't come here for friends and I didn't come here for a wife. And which, you know, if you know me, you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But for whatever reason, we connected for whatever reason. It was like, okay, like we can date. And then we got married right out, out of college. And I say all the time, like, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't. Cause I don't know how I, I don't think I would have met anybody. I don't know how to do that. Like I wouldn't want to do that, but that is my life. And so I don't know the other side of this, you know, and by default, like as a pastor, I'm biased. Um, but also like I'm unaware it's, it's like kind of blinders to, to that. And so I imagine there are times at collective when I've taught, on relationships and marriage where I haven't done the singleness side justice. But, but also like, that's why we share these stories, right? Because that helps us as a community realize like, Hey man, there are people that are single that want to be married and they're, they're hurting because of that. Right. It's the empathy side, which is what you didn't get in this scenario. Right. So, I mean, next two years I graduate college. I got a job. I had a great job. I had so many other blessings in life and, and people around me, who I met in college, who are still around and built friendships with, and had time to, you know, spend time with them, work on myself, and and struggle through post college because post college was also really difficult. You're surrounded by, you know, the bubble bursts. Yeah. Once you get out and you're you're faced with the real world, uh, whether you know you you want to be exposed to it or not, and there are a lot of good things that I like. I wrestled with, and one was like finding a church. I was in the Montgomery county area for two years church hopping yeah. not having a stable church really impacted my faith um, not having an influx of community you know weekly teaching and people to encourage me i think the last one is probably you know the most important because yeah. i could do a lot of the things on my own i yep. think one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves is like oh like i don't need to go to church to have faith and it's yeah. like yeah but it's an instrumental yeah. piece and without anyone to really encourage myself once I move out it's really easy to you know Sunday morning comes out and it's like I'm really done like going to the third new church in like two months and being like this one just doesn't check the boxes where there's like things I'm not like I'm not enthusiastic about or I and it's like maybe there's not enough people my age who are going through the same things I am and that took that took a toll on my faith because I think I got into a place of complacency and I didn't know how to move forward. I'm still wrestling with things. And um, the best thing I did was find people who were in a similar situation as me, who I trusted, who I knew from, from college. We got together and, you know, we just hung out and talked about life. And I was starting to get in a better place. And this is all before I, I came to Collective. Still no church stability. And I think that was something I was trying to figure out, yeah. even though it wasn't going well. Um, and I could kind of feel the complacency in my faith and just being like, I'm just kind of here for the ride. And I'm trying to figure out life I'm consumed by work and trying to have a social life. I at least had a group of people who like understood me and understood the problems I was going through and they were going through the same things. And we bonded a lot and built a really good friendship and challenged each other in a lot of good ways. And that was kind of like my justification. It's like, this is my church community. These three guys, um, which did a lot for me, but it doesn't replace church and, and the teachings. And I finally get to a place where it's like, you know what? I'm ready. I worked on myself a lot. Like two years has gone by. Like here comes Johnny Rufa. Um, 
<laughs> desirable young man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, it was just another bad situation that I, I walked myself into. Someone who I met from another campus, and there's this girl, and she had me essentially like on a leash in terms of just emotional. It was like friend zone extreme, but it's like we did like a lot of relationship type sure, things together. Sure. She would invite me to be like a plus one to different events, but whenever it got serious, she'd be like, mm, like not ready or I'm not going over. Like I'm not like in a space today yeah. and like a bunch of excuses. And it's like, I would do the right thing and like give myself space. Yeah. Like I'd let time come by and then she'd like come calling again and be like, hey, like wanna hang out. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do this. You want to come? And I like, I I was hooked. Uh, this girl just drove me nuts just from like the back and forth. And I'm sitting here. It's like this is this could go great sure. if like we ever start dating or or something like that. It it was probably like months, and I'd start being invited back to their friend group. The friend group has expanded now, and she starts showing interest in another boy while kind of like keeping me like arm's sure. distance. Yeah. And at this point, I'm just, I'm fed up. I'm fed up because I think it was the boiling point of all that years of, if I do this, this will come. If I work on myself, this will come. If I follow God, he will bless me with life. I was like, something's not working. We're avoiding all these gray lines, whether it's drinking, whether it's, you know, approach to the Bible or how we handle our finances. We're avoiding all these hard topics. You know, let's push these gray lines. And that was just me. I was like, I'm, I'm sick of everything that's kind of associated with church culture. Wow. Um, I'm kind of sick of all these rules, all these promises, whether it's lies I told myself or things that, you know, people communicate to me. Sure. So I was like, you know, drinking, we'll, we'll push that a little bit. It, there's nothing wrong with having a couple beers or, you know, you know, getting a little buzz with my friends. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, just you know, spending all my time outside of the church with people at work, people who I don't know, and um, people who aren't Christians. I kind of surrounded myself with, like, very few of my Christian friends yeah. at that point. And it was, like, the guys who I, I talked with weekly, uh, Dylan, Holly, and my roommate, and everyone else was just, like, eh, you know, they're just normal people. Because I was, like, I've been in this bubble for so long, it's important to be relatable to the outside world. And I kind of joined them. Yeah, I'll go drinking every weekend. Um, yeah, I'll go hang out with this friend group after work, and we'll drink with them too. It was kind of like, I'm going to play Christianity by my rules. You know, the Bible doesn't say, like, don't do this. Sure. So we'll explore it. See, I'll find out for myself what, what it is. And I go on for this for like a year, and kind of like every way that I was, like, I felt insecure and treated poorly from like a relationship or lack of relationship uh, standpoint, I found out I was starting to do it to other women who weren't Christians. Wow. Um, wow. Where I got involved with like two separate women, not like super involved, but sure. like I would be like really flaky with them. I just kind of neglect them or, and they come like crawling back and it's like, oh, I, I like not being alone. So wow. sure. And I would gossip a lot at work and we go out and I'd, like kind of talk behind people's backs because that's what people kind of did to me at the church. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with just, you know, trying to relate to other people, make conversation. And I would make all these excuses for myself for all these gray lines that the Bible doesn't explicitly 
say. And it gets to a point where I, I realize I'm like way too involved with a girl who I don't like and who doesn't love the Lord. And she's kind of coming. It's like I want to be in a relationship. I'll come to the church and uh, like I, you make me excited about Jesus. And I, and I look at myself and it's like after a couple of things that happen, I'm like, I'm actually a terrible person right now. Wow. And I took a hard look at myself and it's like all the things that I, or all the events or ways I was treated that I didn't appreciate I was doing to other people. Yeah. And I remember sitting at the table with one of my friends and he's like, Johnny, you just need to like start cutting things off. Like you're in too many unhealthy things right now. He's like, I kind of sense like you had a dark cloud over you for like a while now. And I just wanted to sit here and mess with you. But I think you've kind of, he's like, do you think you've kind of hit a point where you need to stop? I'm like, yeah. I was involved in a lot of friend groups that was unhealthy. And I just thought like start removing them very quickly to a point where like now I'm starting to reap the consequences of one year's worth of decisions and also kind of dealing with the self-reflection that I am a person who I don't want to be. And that, you know, had a cascading effect where, you know, the girl that I kind of left hanging and was kind of keeping on the ropes and it kind of got into scary moments because she was like borderline stalking me with no, like, I can't blame her because I was really involved with her until I wasn't. Sure. And that was at the point I was built in so much shame of like what I was doing, how I shouldn't have been doing that. And she doesn't deserve that. And I'm also being a bad representation of a Christian person by doing all these things. I can't do this. And I'm at this point where like, I just need to reset. Like I've done so much to kind of remove myself from all the good habits, all the good things I taught myself because I was so frustrated. Yeah. And now I'm at a point where it's like, I just need to hit reset button, but I don't know like how to do that because in church that I know it's like, well, you, you don't go down, you go up. Uh, and it's really hard to just be honest and and go to a group and be like, I messed up without it being a a big deal. And that's the one thing like I'm afraid of. I hate big deals. I avoid conflict like the plague. And it's so scary to like go back and one, like, where do you go? At that point we had left our previous church for a lot of different reasons don't have a church I belong to. I worked with Dylan right out of college and we lived pretty close to each other and we were good friends. And next thing I know, like Dylan and Holly joined this church called Collective. And I was like, they have good judgment. I'll, I'll start going. And the one thing that stood out to me is one of the sermons early on where the, I think you had challenged everyone on leadership to be vulnerable and be like, this is an area where I sin and I struggle with. And you went through a list of like 70, 75-ish people who anonymously said like, our leadership, or the people on who serve here struggle with this. They struggle with this. They struggle with this, this. And they were all like really serious things. And that's a part of church I've never really seen before. People who are honest with what was going on in their lives. Um, things that are actively going on. People who've messed up and back where like I grew up on it's kind of like you don't share those things you kind of be like well you pray and yeah. you read and you do your best and yeah. you just forget what you happen and, and you move forward 
that was just different. I felt like more good was going to happen from being honest with yourself and how that would impact your faith and more people who would say, I don't know, to a hard question rather than try to feed you something that makes them feel good because they're giving someone else yeah. advice. Yeah. So that was uh, God for the Broken. It was like, we were like seven weeks old at the time. I remember sharing and it was uncomfortable. I thought far more people would lean out than lean in. And here we are five years later with a podcast called Your Story Matters, which was shaped by that first sun, that Sunday, you know, six weeks in, we've realized like, man, we've got stuff. We're going through stuff. But, but like you said, it's just not what churches are used to. And I, I do think a lot of that, like reflecting on it is just a misconception for on my part. Like I put a lot of my trust sure. in the people in the church and we should be putting our, our faith in God. And, and that was a tough lesson to learn because it was something that's been like baked into my head, whether someone told it to me or I just kind of sure. told myself that lie over and over again. Uh, so I went through all this effort to be there at groups and, and be there on Sundays because yep. I knew that was good for me. Yeah. And that was part of like step one of like, I need to get things back on track. Yep. And the thing I need to do is surround myself by with good people. One of the things I, I also had done just because I, I felt so... There, there were so many like sleepless nights or like nights I'd be like wide open and like knowing things needed to change and I didn't know how to do it. This is probably not the smartest thing to do, but I just threw myself into grad school. Uh, there was a lot of other reasons why I went to grad school, which were good things, but I, I also think I saw it as an opportunity. It's like, I need something to like just fill my time so I don't like sit here wallowing in self-pity. I need to focus on something else that is going to better me and not for any ulterior motive and yeah not for the end goal of of relationship right. not for the end goal right. of anything else just like you know johnny's working on johnny he wants to be the best version of himself hopefully good things happen but not so that good things happen right. which is like a really healthy way to approach that right yeah uh things were just busy all the time and it's like all right like this busy is a good busy um, and I'm doing it in things that are productive and, and worthwhile. Like I love serving the church. I love the church's mission and I want to buy into it. I want to do a good job at work and I want to have solid relationships with my friends and also, you know, better my career and do all these things. But man, it, it was, it was a lot. Uh, but I also knew it was like famous words. We like to dig ditches and yeah. I was digging yeah. ditches in my <laughs> yeah. own life right yeah. now. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Start putting in the work. Yeah. And man, that, that next year was just grindy. Lots of nights or I'm up late doing grad school and I come to collective in the morning to serve and I get four hours yeah. of sleep. I, I knew that was the work I needed to put in, knowing that I was putting myself in a good situation over and over again every single day. It, it felt like crap, but it's like, you know, this is going to yield good results if I just keep at it. And it was, it was hard. The verse that I told to myself like every single time, James 1, 2 through 3, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds the testing of your faith will build perseverance and i saw that kind of come into fruition in several different points in my life where it's like in the moment it's like it sucks putting in the work it sucks feeling like crap and i was doing stuff to keep myself busy i was putting ways to like channel my emotions by like writing like diaries of like how i was doing that day and I would like explore some of like my musical 
background to express my other emotions that I couldn't put into words because I suck at words. I'm an engineer. I'm good at math and numbers, not at words. Um, <laughs> so I was putting myself in all these things like over and over and over again. I kept telling myself, as long as you keep putting yourself in the right position every day, it's going to get better. And you just you have to trust the process. And fast forward like a year and I, I meet Tess. And I was not in a place where I was looking for a relationship. It's one of those like, you know, if it comes, like it sure. comes. Yeah. And it was ironically like my sister who introduced myself. So it was also like the most like ego crushing way to meet your future wife, <laughs> to have your little sister introduce yeah. you. And she'd be like, there's a running joke in my family that I, I have skin issues. Okay. So my mom's like, you need to meet a young nurse so she can take care of you. <laughs> and like, she was half serious, but also like half joking. If you ask her to this day, she'd be like, it was a joke. A joke. Yeah, yeah. So my sister would be like, I met this young nurse, young, beautiful nurse in my Bible study, and she's single. <laughs> and I'm kind of like rolling my eyes like the back of my head. And I'm like, Joy, I'm not looking for a relationship. Long story short, we had a whole bunch of friends like playing like ultimate frisbee. Like everyone we knew from college would come out and just like pick up and play. And she's like, you should like invite her to like ultimate frisbee. I heard she like likes playing sports and she'd be, she'd come. And I'm like, okay, like you can give me your number and I'll text her. So like I text her, I'm like, hey, like you, we have this ultimate Frisbee thing. My sister said you play and and she's like, I actually hate ultimate Frisbee. (laughs) Um, But she's like, you know, you should try soccer. That's my sport. And I was like, well, how about I teach you how to throw a Frisbee and you can teach me how to like kick a soccer ball. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And we met at Baker Park that that day. Like I come from work and I was like, like, it's just a meetup or something like that it flooded in Frederick that night and we were caught in the flood and it was like this super like romantic thing that happened. And I remember like the next day I'm like, wow, like that was really cool. I don't want to get my hopes up or anything. Uh, Tess like ghosted me for like the next three months. (laughs) 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 And it was like almost like all that anxiety, like building up again. And I, and it was one of those like, all right, I've been through this before. It'll pass. I've, I've been through the ringer. Just continue working on yourself. And that was kind of like the cool way I've seen like my faith and just the shifting of my mindset and my approach to God and giving everything up and not putting so many expectations on on God because sure. that's not fair. It's not right for us to do. And it's like, let's move on. Yep. And then the long story short is three months later, I reach out and it turns out she was just waiting for me to call for like oh my three goodness. months. <laughs> but she didn't want to date for three months. So I got put through like another like... I would say like month and a half where she'd kind of keep me at arm's length. It's like, we're going to do all these dating things, but not date. And which could have sent you back to the place you were previously. It could have, you know, it like honestly that, could have. and cause, and again, like going back to the college part of the story, it could have sent you back to that place where then, you know, you end up in this weird place in a relationship. That's not a relationship. And then you start, you know, kind of pulling back from church stuff because you know, the feeling of being seen and self-worth like comes back up again. Like you, you absolutely could have cycled back through kind of a third time. Yeah. Like on this loop. Yeah. But because you spent time really leaning into your faith and your relationship with God and who you are, it was different this time. Yeah. It's like my identity is not whether I can, you know, get a relationship or, or have a wife. Like I can move on with this and be okay. And having, 
you know, more self-worth at that time. And knowing that, you know, uh, I'm putting myself in all the right positions and serving God and doing things that are fulfilling and building my faith. It's like, you know, I, I don't need this. Yeah. And it just turns out it was one of the things that God had in plan. Uh, and it was one of those God things where it's like his timing is perfect. Yeah. Like if I had been put in that situation, test, you know, 10 times out of 10 would have put me through that over and over and over again. And like you said, like I would have like yeah. cycled, I would have broken down, I would have had meltdowns. I would not have handled it well, but this time was just, it was different. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a reason why God kept telling me no, kept shutting doors and not giving me what I wanted. Yeah, I couldn't see it at the time, but you know, through her, like, again, God is just proof that he's good and he's good all the time. Yeah, And sometimes he just tells you to wait and it sucks. The questioning of God, and it makes sense. Like when we don't get the things that we pray for or ask for or even like try really hard to have in our life, we often look at God and say like, do you love me? You know, because we have this like, you know, cause and effect type understanding of love and relationships, right? And that doesn't come from God. That comes from culture and the way that we're raised and intentionally, unintentionally, all that stuff. You know, because when you have those times, you're like, man, I don't know if God sees me. I don't know if he cares. And realistically, we know he does. Mm-hmm. And he, he's seen you the whole time, but maybe we weren't in a place where it was good for us. You yeah. know, Tess, six years ago, that relationship probably doesn't end well. Yeah. And, I, and sometimes I even think about it like, would Tess and I haven't even been friends in like high school? Yeah. And it's like, sometimes I think probably not, yep. but she's the love of my life. And that was what the whole process of, you know, God shaping us to be these people who are perfect for each other. Yeah. That's what it took. Yeah. I really love your story because one of the things that shows is even if you have good faith and good church experiences, it doesn't mean you're exempt from the highs and lows. And it doesn't mean you're exempt from questioning. It doesn't mean you're exempt from pain. Um, even the, even having really good church experiences doesn't mean you're even exempt from some church frustration. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast or like end up at collective and they go, if only I had this other experience. And it's like, nope, parts of that still would have sucked too. One of the beautiful things about faith is the longer that you have it and the more that you lean in, the better your perspective becomes and the more you get to see and, and the more the bad things actually end up feeling like good things. And um, the more the really bad things end up feeling like opportunities where you see God's presence. And so with your experience in church and um, one of the little questions we ask on every episode is if you had like one piece of advice about um, faith um, or even about like just the journey of singleness to marriage, whatever it may be, what advice would you give to people listening today? The thing I wish someone had told me when I was single, yeah. no one's got an answer. That's just the fact like we're all unique. We have unique journeys and we all have different experiences and everyone's story is different and it's going to progress a different way. I was trying to find something that, you know, was a plug and play based on the Bible to my life and, and a fulfillment of a promise. God's the only one who has answers. And it sucks because one thing we hate is not having control of our lives yeah. and not knowing what to do, especially if you're a doer. Sometimes, like, I don't know is not good enough. But when it comes to God, uh, in terms of when something's going to come, what when it's going to come, what it's going to look like, all that stuff, what you should be doing, I don't know, is a place to explore and draw near. And life is just hard. And you can follow God all your life. And one of the biggest lies you could tell yourself is that following God 
it makes life easy. It's not true. It makes it easier because we have God. But if anything, following God is just really hard because he challenges us and puts us in places where we grow and we are forced to rely on him for help. And that's the sucky part about it. It's like, you know, like (laughs) crap is coming and, uh, you know, it's going to stink when we are forced to rely on God. It's, it's an opportunity to draw near. It sucks to rely on him because things are not going well. Just the presence of God and the pursuit of relationship with him and knowing that you can't go through life without relying on him, there's there's a peace to it. And when you get through that trial, you yeah. look back and you're like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. There's only one way I get through that and that's him. And there's there's a joy to that. And that's not the joy that we understand. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so unique, and you only know it by going through it and coming out the other side. Yeah, I think one thing that people have said on multiple episodes when talking about their trials is, I don't know how I would have gotten through that without God. And the more we do this podcast, the more people share their stories, the more they're unique and different and good experiences, bad experiences, a lot of faith, little faith, some faith. It all comes down to the same thing, which is life is hard. And man, when you don't have God it is so much harder than it needs to be. And more than anything, that's what we hope people take from this is you're going to go through something trying to go through it alone. Isn't it having God, having a good, healthy community, having relationships, people you can be vulnerable with, like it just changes everything, you know? So it's funny as we're stuck in these hard things with God. And I'm often wondering like, what if we didn't have God, how much worse would this be? And so, um, man, that's really good. Um, I'm going to have you tell us your favorite Bible verse. You told it already. I did. Um, I think at some point we'll end up doing like a super cut of all this, all the scripture. So go ahead and share with us again what your favorite Bible verse is and uh, why. James 1, 2 through 3. Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith will build perseverance. Yeah, that's good. That perseverance part is really important, isn't it? Yeah. Because James is saying it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, man, I'm so thankful that you shared your story. Um, I'm thankful that you're a leader at Collective. And uh, when we put the challenge out there, you immediately said, hey, I'm, I'm willing, and that you go first. Um, I'm thankful that the things that you have experienced in your own life, um, you know, through leaders in churches and, and people who were, you know, you went to to support. I'm thankful that you've took the, those experiences that you've been through and instead of choosing bitterness and frustration and anger, you use that to be the leader you are at Collective. And um, Collective is a better place because of your experiences and how you've learned from them. And you bring uh, you know, your faith and your life experience into this space. And so I'm really thankful for that. And really, man, just thankful for everything you did during those seasons of your life where it was a grind to lean into this church called Collective that was insane and dig those ditches because you know we are a church like we are because of people like you who from the very start we're choosing vulnerability and we're choosing honesty and we're choosing hard conversations and hard questions and and all those good things so man thank you so much for your time today no thank you thank you for collective and yeah even this is just a it's a way for you to push us to draw close to god and i kind of hated doing this but uh (laughs) i yeah it was good it was good and 
I'm thankful for what Collective does in our life and what you've done with Collective to help lead us. So. Thanks, John. I appreciate it.